culture, community, and connections, three important elements in today's workplace. Join us for episode two of the CG Hour. Welcome to the CG Hour, where every month we come to you with various industry experts and business leaders as we talk about the most relevant topics of the day. And this, uh, this month, we're going to be talking all about culture, community, and connections. In today's world, it's all about people now, right? People matter, community matters, and those are three pivotal uh, topics right now that are so important to our workplace. So I hope you join us live. For those of you out there that are missing this live, you can catch this as a replay as well. And uh, let's see who has joined us online here. For everyone out there, you can tune in via Cyber Group, as well as my LinkedIn feed, Fanny Dunnigan, and as well as some of the guests that we have today. My name is Fanny Dunnigan, and I am the host of the CG Hour. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us. But first, I wanted to kick off and see and show you all a video that we have here which is going to be sharing about some of the statistics and important points about culture, community, and connections. So let's roll that right now. Those are some pretty important statistics right there around culture, community, and connections. But before we jump into those topics, let me introduce you to the amazing guests that we have today. Uh, I'm going to start off right with Melissa Ferrer-Smith. Thank Annie. you for joining us, Melissa. Excited, so excited, excited to be here. To yes, have thank you. you on the CG Hour. I want to read people your bio here. Melissa has led organizational effectiveness and talent management as head of HR in global regions, US and multi-state divisions, as well as corporate C-suite offices. 
She originally grew as a people leader in the airline operations and later on into the human resources field. Her specialties for 20 plus years lie in organizational design and strategy, change management, communication plans, talent development. She credits her learnings to great organizations like Cinemark, DFW International Airport, American Airlines, Tyco Healthcare, and Royal Caribbean Cruises. Tons of travel places. Yes. yes. Uh, she holds an executive MBA with an immersion in China from Florida International University and holds a number of certifications, which are her applied methodologies in helping organizations through culture design. A true culture expert right here. Thank you for joining us, Thank Melissa. You. Thank you, Penny. And next on, I want to move to our next guest, Raj Asava. Welcome, Raj. Thank, Thank you, you for joining us on the CG Hour. Good to be here. And uh, I'm going to read to you all Raj's bio. Born and raised in India, Raj worked in senior executive ranks for several large companies and held the position of president at two startup organizations over the four decades of his corporate career in the United States. And he retired as chief strategy officer at Perot Systems in 2010. When Raj and his wife Anna learned that millions of people across the US are food challenged, they moved to action. In 2017, they founded Hunger Mittal, mm -hmm. yes. which means wipe out hunger and uh, a grassroots movement focused on raising awareness about hunger in the U.S., improving uh, community engagement and channeling resources and contributions of communities in the fight against hunger. A worthy cause, Raj, yeah. and perfect for our topic today. today. And in four years since its launch, Hunger Mittal movement has spread to multiple cities across the country and enabled over 40 million meals for feeding American awesome. network of food banks. That's mm -hmm. a staggering, staggering number. And in the summer of 2021, Raj and Anna were recognized as one of the top 100 philanthropists of Indian origin from across the globe in Indiaspora's 2021 philanthropy leaders list. Wow, Raj, welcome. Thank so you. Glad you could join us. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. And last but not least, my dear friend, Mike Rochelle, colleague, association member, uh, and president. Welcome, Mike. Thank you to coming. Thank you for coming to the CG Hour. Very good to be here. Wouldn't have missed it. And uh, I wanted to share with you Mike's bio. A Gallup Strengths fan, Mike likes to say, I'm a strategic influencer who collects meaningful relationships and actionable philosophies and methods to help people and organizations refine their purpose through people, process, innovation for exponential results growth. And his core belief in people and their potential help him excite others to use their strengths, learning and experiences in improving their results at work and in life. And he uses his uh, strengths, connectedness, maximization, input, ideation, and belief to make this his reality every day. Every day. And he is a technology executive across a whole variety of companies, including, uh, well, he's the VP of Cyber Group for Cultural Growth right now, and some other leading technology firms as well. What were those again, Mike? Uh, C.B. Richard Ellis, Jacobs, Time Warner Cable, awesome. DirecTV, Pearson Education. Thank you. So we have a wonderful experience and expert panel that will be talking all about culture, community, and connections today. So thank you to those that are joining us live and those that are out there. If you're tuning in later on, you can watch the replay. So I want to jump in and first get to that video we just saw. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So many important statistics. So many things about culture, community, and connections. Melissa, what what stood out for you from that video? Definitely resonates the piece of culture is tied to revenue and productivity. Mm. Um, yes. By far. Yes. I mean, it's it's evident. You have employees who are engaged, who are valued, who are happy, who are connected in the business. Understand the purpose of the business translates to them being productive translates to the business overall revenue performance. Perfect. 
What about you, Mike? What stood out for you from that? Well, I mean, they were all interesting statistics, I think. Yeah. But the one that uh, that we'll talk about even later in the program today is the one that most people know the value of networking, yet almost 50% of executives don't do it when things are going well. Right. So you have, you know, the old thing: you have to you have to pay it forward before you need some something to to go to. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's the biggest one, and one that I think the audience should. Uh, pay attention to. If things are going well, get out there and network because you don't know when you're going to need your network. Mm -hmm. The last thing we want to be doing is sounding desperate and right. like asking people for a job when we don't have a job. Yep. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. What about you, Raj? What stood out for you from that video? Frankly speaking, nothing did. Mm. Over the last four decades that I have been working in corporate America, you know, we have seen that culture trumps everything. Mm -hmm. Connection is critical, mm -hmm. right? I mean, these are very, very important you things. And you live and breathe. And also, Fanny, especially today, we are living in the era of the great resignation, mm -hmm. right? Why is there so much resignation going on today? Mm -hmm. It's because organization in the speed, in the urgency to make money, profit at any cost, have not paid attention to culture. And people have, you know, begin to now hop over because they don't understand what the value of culture is. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. very good. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so, a lot of people have many different definitions of culture, right? But I'd love to hear from each of you, like, what your definition of organizational culture is. I believe uh, that it's all about um, the behavior that the organization displays, right, with people internal customers, external customers. It's all about how they communicate, how they serve, how they make decisions when things go sideways, and how are they public about correcting things. So it's, it's the behavior of the organization that sets the tone. And some of that culture is visible, and some of, them, some of it is invisible, right? Uh, so based on the pool of people they have, the job groups, the demographic, the ethnic, the generation, the gender. So there's a lot to be accomplished in the workplace with culture based on the different groups that they have in the business. Even behaviors and mannerisms. Behaviors right? and mannerisms, yeah. yeah. What about you, Mike? Well, I mean, I think I'm a Simon Sinek fan, so I think mm -hmm. it's the why, right? Why do you exist? Um, and then the how, which but the how is important, mm -hmm. obviously, because you have to know what your capabilities are. But if you know why you do something, uh, that you're building people to the next level of their competency always, that you're developing the organization to provide better value to your customers, um, and that the customers are actually getting the value and are returning back to you. You know, those are, those are the kinds of things that any culture would aspire to, but it starts with why. Mm -hmm. You have to have a why. Absolutely. And it motivates people, yeah. right? especially mm -hmm. through tough times. Exactly. Raj, right. what does culture mean to you in an organization? So culture is values, mm -hmm. principles. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, I believe, foundation to success of any organization. Mm -hmm. It is what um, builds an organization on a strong platform. It is what binds the team together. It is also a very good conflict management tool. It will avoid conflict and also it'll allow you to manage conflict because your principles, your values are steadfast. Yeah. So you're not compromising on it. So conflict are much easier to manage in, in that kind of situation, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so I, and I think that uh, every organization that you see that has strong culture, you'll see that their employees have become ambassadors of the organization. They are no longer mm -hmm. employees. Right. They are out there promoting and talking about the organization and how much they enjoy working there. Mm -hmm. So culture is, uh, is very critical. And uh, I know it's uh, a cliche that they talk about that culture is more important than strategy, but that's a fact. Yeah. You know, strategies have to change because of the nature of strategy, right? World changes around us is dynamic nature, right? But culture has to remain steadfast when you are going to be trustworthy, transparent, integrity going to be high, right? That there's no compromise there, you know. And well, when you retired, you were chief strategy officer, right? Yes. And PwC studies showed that 67% of respondents say that culture is more important than strategy, exactly what you just said, strategy mm -hmm. and operations. 
Um, let's dive a little even deeper into that, right? Like, because we can have the most elaborate strategy and plans. Mm -hmm. How does culture play into it? See, uh, onboarding a new employee into the organization, one of the first thing an organization has to do is to ensure that you are able to share with them what are the values and the principle that the organization takes pride in, which will they will not compromise on. If that is not communicated on day one, on the first hour, right? I think we have now let the employee drift off if we didn't, if we have not done that. So I fortunately had the uh, good fortune rather to work for Ross Perot uh, in his organization. And I cannot imagine a better culture than what he laid out in his first organization, EDS, and subsequently, his second organization, Perot Systems. There's an interesting story about Perot Systems. When Ross Perot started Perot Systems, you know, most uh, organizations, when they, uh, mostly entrepreneurs rather, when they start a new organization, the first thing they do is try to make a list of, you know, customers and prospects that they can sell their product and services to. Mm -hmm. Ross Perot instead defined the cultures and the values based on which Perot Systems will be built. You know, and, and it was a successful organization with a wonderful exit. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Melissa, mm -hmm. from your point of view, why do you think culture trumps strategy and operations? So I see strategy as critical, as important, right? Um, as C-suite leaders are looking at that and focus as the key generator, as the mapping for them to be successful. I think it is key. However, I see strategy as the roadmap, the mm -hmm. framework, right, to get the business there. I see the culture as the potential to be success to fulfill that strategy, right? So you could have the best strategy plan, but if you don't have a culture yeah. that understands their purpose, what is their role, the value, how's the organization operating, how are their um, ethical ethically operating in the, in the workplace, in the community, um, and, and the employees are not aligned to that, then your strategy won't be executed, right? Yep. So I think it's very important that the, the, the culture needs to be in place and in alignment with the strategy for people to then execute and have success in that strategy. Yep. Your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with uh, both my colleagues. Uh, the thing that I see in the marketplace today, though, is that um, if you have a good culture that is well-defined mm -hmm. and you have a roadmap, uh, yet you don't have an agile culture that will, uh, will enable you to capture the innovation of the brains and the minds of the beautiful people that you have <laughs> and actually bring it to life, right? Um, then you can strategize all day long, but you have to have the culture that enables that brilliance to come out every day. Mm -hmm. um, and that may mean changing your strategy mm -hmm. on a dime, mm -hmm. right? Especially we're in a consulting business, right? So for <laughs> us, every day is a new day. Yes. But uh, even for companies that have been around for a long time, that innovation has to be bred through culture that enables people to take risk, to be agile, to defy the, the regular things and processes yeah. to gra uh, grab the value that's out there. Right. Absolutely. So. And these days after two years of the pandemic, right? Yeah. <laughs> where we've gone from totally remote or well, all in person to totally remote to various forms of hybrid. And it's tough, like all more and more culture has become more important, right? Sure. And what do you see in your organization right now? Like, are you guys adopting remote, in-person, hybrid model? And how do we nurture culture in these different models? Yeah, so the, the nice thing, um, you know, you said that people go to culture. Yep. Um, I, I just joined Cyber Group at the beginning of the year. We're actually building, and we just moved into a new building. Oh. It's three times bigger than what we had before. And we're doing it because we're creating it as a community space, yeah. right? Not only for our people, but for associations like uh, ABTP and the Society for Information Management or any others that wanna come and do events there. Uh, because hybrid is really the passage, I think. That's the, that's the way that we're gonna be doing business for a while. Yeah. But you have to have a place to gather. And if you have a place to gather 
and you're agile in the in the needs of your customers and your employees, then that I think starts building the connection that is unbreakable. Yep. Right. And that's kind of the strategy that Surajit, our president, has established. Um, and I grabbed onto it immediately because I think that is the future. You know, a lot of people are either shutting businesses down or they're completely remote. Um, I think I think in the middle is the right place. Mm -hmm. At least for us. We, we joined companies because of culture, too, yeah, right? Exactly. Perfect, you know, point in case. Right? Yeah. Case in point. Um, Melissa, what about you? I mean, you're consulting from various firms yes. nowadays. And what do you see as the working model or workplace now? And I see people... organizations who are forward thinking will give that hybrid model, mm. who will give that flexibility. And not just from a scheduling perspective, but more of going back to understand their employee demographics and what is it that they need, right? There's a lot of buzz out there, retention, let's say pay, pay more, right? Let's, let's retain them through compensation. And in reality, it is not just that. It is how am I serving my workforce? What am I doing with that data? And what I promote as a consultant is you need to refresh your business every year. You need to look at your business in how are they operating, your employee group changes year after year, your customer needs change year after year, uh, your competition changes every minute of the day, right? So those are all things that you need to survey and realign. Why wouldn't you do that for the employees who are executing on your strategy? So yes, very importantly. And Raj, I mean, you're out and about in the community. You're interacting with lots of different organizations and at the same time building your culture within your nonprofit. Mm -hmm. How do you see the working model in this new era and um, how do we nurture culture amongst all that? Sure. So one thing I would say that uh, while hybrid work has become very popular and mm. in vogue term now, mm. but many of us have always been working in a hybrid environment. <laughs> so frankly speaking, other than few new tools like Zoom, et cetera, we have always been working in a, a model where it best suited the goals and mission of the company, mm. as well as the individual's needs and wants. Mm -hmm. Those were very, very critical. So for example, when a culture is focused on results, as opposed to trying to manage the clock and the time the employee was at work in their desk, you know, uh, you basically are enabling an empowered workplace where people feel valued, they feel trusted, and that culture uh, will actually allow you to work in, in office, in uh, remotely totally, or in hybrid. And frankly speaking, you know, this really works more for the knowledge worker. Yeah. It really doesn't work for just all the folks out there who are making a living. Mm -hmm. But for knowledge worker, I personally believe that since the dawn of automation, since computers really uh, got, came to our, uh, pers our desks, uh, you know, remote working was a byproduct. I mean, many of us- Forward thinking organizations. Yes. Exactly, yes. that's right. Yes. Forward yes. thinking organizations. <laughs> yes. And you know, it's interesting to see, Fanny, that those organizations prior to the pandemic were in disbelief Yep. of ever considering and allowing their employees <laughs> to work remotely. And now they shifted gears, they see the productivity. Some people, some companies have even given up their, their real estate, right? right. Yeah. Um, and gone deeper into working virtually. So, yeah. so these are options that are viable and organizations that are looking at their market and what or other organizations are offering employees and are willing to change, right? Providing options to employees. Those are the organizations who will succeed. Yeah. If you're stuck in, we, we need to work from the office, <laughs> you're gonna have great competition and it's gonna be very hard for you to hire and source talent. Yeah. Yep. And I want to dive a little more deep into that because you're, you help companies build their culture, yes. right? And um, that's one mistake that you mentioned is yes. people that are just stuck in their ways. Stuck what would be other like mistakes that you're seeing organizations make yeah. when it comes to building culture so or trying to? 
I would say, Fanny, probably unintentionally, right? I don't, I don't think any business, you know, wakes up and says, you know, I, I, I want to retain or control my employees. I think these are all maybe mishaps that are unintentional, but I see some of them being they're pouring all of their energy on the operation, right? Makes sense, right? Because you you want the business to progress. Um, they're focusing on the operation and even some of the roles that play out there um, on the let's let's execute on the strategy. The other thing I see is organizations, as I mentioned, kind of resistant to change. You know, we're operating fast, it's furious, you invite people to the table, let's share the ideas. But in reality, sometimes we hear again and again, we don't have time to do that. <laughs> we, we have to do a quick fix, you know, let's move, 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 move. So I think organizations oftentimes unintentionally, it could be they're driving more on the operational side um, and not looking at the holistic picture of employees. They're resistant to change. Sometimes it's time crunch. Um, sometimes it's simply this is the way we've always done it and I'm comfortable with this and I don't want to change it differently because that would take too much time and maybe the customer would be impacted. Uh, but, but you know, I always, and, and being a change agent, there's always a way to execute and provide solutions to the business. So on the flip side of that, what would be one tip you would leave with all those HR professionals and others out there around building culture? Well, now post the pandemic, I would recommend for organizations to go ahead and reassess their values, mm -hmm. and make sure that those values are authentic. Because a lot of times we may have things up on our website that are old, a bit dated, right? So taking into consideration your work demographic and who you have in play today, survey them. From that survey, you're going to hear lots of things. It could be opportunities on communication. It could be opportunities in training. It could be opportunities in giving more freedom and accountability for them to make decisions. Take that information and put it into play. And one more piece is make sure that your diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives are aligned because that's where you're going to get forward thinking, outside of the box ideas, collaboration, communication, productivity. That's where you're going to win in retaining talent. Awesome. Thank you. And speaking of forward thinking organizations, I want to do a shout out to the Cyber Group and uh, who sponsored the CG Hour right here. And we're, we thought we'd take a little break and share with you some behind the scenes footage of the construction and the evolution of that office that Mike was talking about for Cyber Group, because they have been working really hard in building a physical space so that communities can thrive and connections can be made. So let's run that right now. Hey, Cyber Group family, welcome to our new building. Concrete pavement, parking spots all ready to go. You may notice our foundation has been fixed leading up to the ramp. Building a solid foundation here. She's almost ready.
So we're very, very excited to see the launch of the Cyber Group new office very, very soon. And uh, we'll be sharing a lot more with you as the weeks and months go on. Uh, so let's switch now to community, right? Community is so important, community matters. And now more than ever, after two years of isolation and pandemic, community is probably one of the most critical things that we can be nurturing and building. I wanna read this thing about companies with clear social missions have increased employee satisfaction, reduced turnover, and boosted productivity. I wanna know, like, Mike, have you seen evidence of that um, and how people that volunteer together, work together for social causes, how that's kind of improved the community feel and culture, in this case, of companies? Yeah, yeah definitely. So uh, when I was at Accenture, we adopted Aid Matrix, which is sort of uh, <laughs> in your neck of the woods. Yep. Um, and that was a, a, a fabulous thing because we were able to start a digital ball here in Dallas and bring a bunch of the people in the tech community together. Um, and in so doing, uh, grow relationships with people that we didn't have before, right? Mm -hmm. The same thing with the Association for Business Technology Professionals and the Society for Information Management and the women's and technology groups that are out there. Uh, those things bring people together on topics that they're all interested in um, and ways that they can grow community, you know, within their, their sphere of influence. So, you know, definitely those are things that help people to uh, not only get to know uh, what the needs in the community are, uh, to provide those needs um, and to grow their professional relationships as well. So it's a win-win-win mm -hmm. for everybody. Awesome. And I do want to add for those of you that are tuning in live with us, we've had to move to YouTube. Um, as all things technical, sometimes there's glitches. And I wanted to just share that uh, LinkedIn Live didn't quite work for us. So if you're tuning in, please join us live on YouTube at the Cyber Group Inc. YouTube page. Murphy's uh, Law. Right? Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law. <laughs> what, did as, it? Yes. what did we say? Right? We're all in technology, at yeah. least, so exactly. we understand. We understand. <laughs> Raj, um, you know, before you got into your nonprofit and uh, all those organizations that you worked with, yep. those that you saw involved in philanthropy and volunteering, how have you seen that? influence and impact the organization when they do that? Uh, that's a good question. Um, let me first kind of give you my definition of community. Please. Mm -hmm. So uh, community is such a generic word. Community, the way I look at it, is any group of people with similar interests mm -hmm. united through communication. Mm -hmm. And when the communication fails down, you will notice the community disperses. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Any group of people, you take mm -hmm. it, you know, whether it is an ethnic group, whether it's an organization group, whether it's an association. You've seen associations succeed mm -hmm. when there's a good leader who is able to, or he or she is able to effectively communicate the focus, the goal, the mission, the vision, the principles of why we are together as an association. Mm -hmm. But when leadership changes and community, the communication starts to uh, fail, you'll notice that successful organization starts to slowly disappear, people's interest starts to wane away. Yeah. Uh, at a corporate level, I, what I felt is that to me, it is the earliest time for employees, team members, to actually, through corporate programs, get engaged in causes that uplifts community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For example, when I was chief strategy officer at Pearl Systems, you know, we supported American Heart Association's mm -hmm. uh, the annual walk, heart walk, they called it. Mm -hmm. So our CEO would come and walk along with all the employees. Yes. Leaders would walk along with all the employees. Yes. So first of all, it demonstrated culture. It also demonstrated that we as an organization cares for the community where we do business in, mm -hmm. right? So that's how we have you know, looked at community. Uh, community is a, a very important part of uh, an organization. Uh, I'll also add, if I may, I believe a human life is best lived in three stages. Mm. It's learning, earning, and returning. Mm. 
And while you are... Say that again. I love that. <laughs> the audience, please. Human life is uh, best lived in three stages. And by the way, it's not sequential. There is overlap. Yeah. I believe in the 80-20 rule. Again, I'm being the corporate uh, the, from the technology world. Yeah. So 80% of your energy during your early stage of life should be focused on learning, mm -hmm. while the remaining 20% is preparing you for earning and also philanthropy, which is returning. Right? That's the early stage. Because if you're not spending enough time learning, you won't be making a whole lot of money or earning a whole lot of money, and you won't have much to give back. Right. Mm -hmm. And then second phase, when you are focused on earning, you still need to keep continuously learning. You know, in corporate world, we always talk about continuous learning. Absolutely. You know, keep your ax sharp, yes. right? And also in the corporate world, I'm so proud of organizations across America and across the world who have now understood the importance of community engagement and community support and are, are throwing their support behind a variety of causes from food bank to children's advocacy uh, to exact to other things that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So, and in the returning stage, you know, end of the day, nothing is going with us, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. not, not just the material part, even our networks, our connections, don't hoard it, share it openly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody else can benefit from it, that's the best thing you can do for the community, for the next generation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Learning, earning, returning. Right there, folks. I like that. That's a <laughs> huge that. mic drop right there. Mm -hmm. Penny, I have an article on that. If, uh, if your audience is yes, interested, please. I will share it with the CG group and you can yeah, put it on your website or whatever. That out. Yes. And I do want to call out to those of you that have found us on YouTube out there. A quick shout out to Jason Zakarian. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Don Marie tuning in from Arkansas. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and also Deepak Dagra. Welcome. Thank you for joining us on YouTube and finding us amongst this uh, <laughs> technology uh, uh, hole, I guess. Um, but uh, thank you for joining us. And also for you, Melissa, what have you seen work across all those? You've worked across yeah. a variety of organizations. Tell us one story of a great community service project that have brought the company together. Cinemark being a great example of one. Well, I, I have two, but but Cinemark today still holds an annual community event where all employees, including CEO and C-suite leaders, go off. I'm trying to name of think of the name, but but it's a playground in supporting kids. Mm. Um, and they do this annual event where literally in front of the building, we get on buses and would go out in a drive out. And every year there's a different purpose and creating or painting or creating a playground, renovating the premises. Um, they do a fantastic job. So that is community, but in essence, what does it touch? It touches our culture. Yeah. It touches our people. It touches how we relate. You're communicating with leaders across the organization your CEO is on that trip, everyone is joining in, and it's something that the team looks forward to year after year. DFW does a fantastic job as well, just because as an airport, we serve the community, right? All the different neighboring cities. So we make it a point to do a number of initiatives out in the community with different ethnic groups and different groups that represent diversity, um, different leadership, diff you know, all types of things that we do to promote the community service. So thank you. Great job. And for those of you out there on YouTube, share with us what is your uh, nonprofit that you're passionate about and that you volunteer with you volunteer with. We'd love to hear from you as well so that we can spread the word about your nonprofits. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to Stacy on YouTube. Hers were local soup kitchens, shelters, and food banks. So that ties in very nicely. I want to <laughs> chat with Raj about food banks. Yes. Food. Mm -hmm. right? Your organization, your nonprofit is Hunger Metal. Yes. And uh, tell people about that and why landed on that cause of all the things that you could have chosen? Sure, sure. So uh, I came to the United States in 1974, and it was only in 2015 that I discovered the magnitude of the hunger issue 
in this country. Right. I, and I was shocked. I mean, United States is the land of milk and honey and plenty. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the world is trying to come here. Yes. But when I found out that almost 50 million people across this great country do not know where their next meal is coming from. And ironically, the way I found out was I was having lunch with the mayor of Plano, which is where I live. And during the lunch, he asked me to support his backpack program. You know, we live in America. I thought it was some kind of a marketing gimmick, but he corrected me. He says, I'm talking about backpack filled with enough food, Raj, for a child to last for the weekend. Mm -hmm. I immediately thought, oh, you mean in the rough neighborhoods, downtown, the food desert? He said, no, no, I'm talking about schools where your children went, where my children are going. Now, you look around Plano, Frisco, Al, and all these, I mean, this is, all you see is affluency. You don't see too much hunger out there. Mm -hmm. But when you find out that one in four school-going children doesn't know where their next meal is coming from, one in seven North Texan is struggling to make ends meet and put food on the family table. And after my wife and I validated that, you know, we said, we just cannot sit there. We just cannot only just write check. We got to figure out something bigger because something, 800,000 people across North Texas don't know where their next meal is coming from. Wow. So we then basically said, it it just kind of occurred to us that just as we were unaware of the hunger issue and took us almost four decades before we realized it, very likely people from the community I come from, the Indian American community, Mm -hmm. they are not aware about the hunger issue. Mm -hmm. So we made it our mission to raise awareness of the community about the hunger issue so that they are aware of it and they are not ignorant about it. And we did not want to reinvent the wheel. We did due diligence on Food Bank and Feeding America and we were impressed for a dollar, they can provide three nutritious meals. Mm-hmm. 94 cents of every dollar goes directly to food program. We said they're doing a great job, so why don't we throw our weight behind them? Mm. You know. So with that, we started this movement. And interestingly enough, it's not an organization. Mm-hmm. Hunger Mitao is a movement. A movement to engage a community in the fight against hunger mm-hmm. by supporting the local food bank through volunteering, through food donation, through funds, etc. And right here in North Texas, it took us like first year, uh, my wife and I must have done over 100 awareness sessions. Mm -hmm. From two people at Starbucks to 20,000 people at Cotton Bowl Stadium. We went out and spoke about the hunger issue and the magnitude of it. And uh, now, we are in the fifth year now, and uh, this movement has brought the community together. Mm -hmm. And we have enabled over 12 and a half million meals right here in North Texas. And the Chinese American community Mm -hmm. loves this model. And they took it and they replicated it. We mentored them, we guided them, and they are off to the races. And just before today's event, I had a conversation with a leader in the Hispanic community, and they want to launch it for their their community. And we are sharing, ours is an open source model. We're sharing everything. So any community out there, any group of people, whether it's an ethnic community, an association, whatever, if you are interested in joining in the fight against hunger, drop us a line. We'll share all the information, all the lessons learned, best practices, and mentor you. And I really believe that the community plays the last mile in the fight against hunger. Mm -hmm. The government can do so much, food bank can do so much, but unless the community steps up, it will not, uh, we will not address the hunger issue. Sorry, I took a lot of time there. (laughs) And I want people to know that um, that is hunger, Mittau. Hunger and then M I T A O. They can go to dot org. Dot org, yeah. Hunger M I T A O dot org. You can go to his website, and I love that fact of like your point of give where we live. Yeah. We start from that nucleus of our mm-hmm. family, and then from there our communities, right? Exactly. And then this replication. Can you just dive just a little deeper into that real quick about this? Because you didn't try to redo it all yourself, right? You just templatize it. Exactly. 
Talk about that concept. So again, uh, uh, Mike and you all will appreciate it. You know, coming from the IT background, right. templatizing was is, is part of our DNA, right? <laughs> Make it easy, right? Make e it easy. Exactly. <laughs> from the very first day when we laid out the strategy for Hunger Metal, and we purposely decided not to create another 501c3 and create more bureaucracy, right. we templatized everything that we did from thank you note to appeal to website to you know what does uh, hunger metal means etc and we have it all as a kit now mm -hmm. and any organization or any group of people who are interested in replicating it we share it with them i'll also expand a little bit on our tagline give where you live mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and i'll be just mm -hmm. frank with my our listeners here this country has been so good to immigrants definitely we this truly is the land of opportunity you know, while this may not be our motherland, but this is the land where we are making our living, right? So while we do owe and we are responsible for taking care of our family and friends and, and the country we came from, but we also need to ensure that where we live, we are also making a difference. We are, you know, we are getting involved in the civic fabric of this country, in the basic necessities as food. You know, we are getting involved and we are addressing that issue and being part of the solution. Love it. Mm -hmm. And uh, on YouTube, Irfan says, I didn't know until today about this hunger situation that's yeah. overwhelming. And sometimes it really is. It's hard to hear. It is hard to hear. You don't Once imagine. We know, then we can go and do something about it. Um, I'd love to hear from you, Melissa and Mike, and you're very involved in your communities. Shout out to a nonprofit or association that you're passionate about. I'm very passionate about uh, Diabetes Association and Jude, uh, St. Jude, only because I don't think that any, I don't think anyone should be suffering from cancer, right? But, but the fact that you have um, young kids who still haven't lived a life um, so I'm a big proponent of that and I'm a big proponent of the Americans Diabetes Association. My mom um, was a diabetic and passed away five years ago. So I live with a diabetic, my husband's diabetic. And so I, it, I'm very passionate about wellness, about health, about what we eat. Um, my husband is probably a better walking encyclopedia, but, but, I, but I know a lot and so get get involved, and so those are the two that I contribute, um, as well as getting out involved in activities. Awesome. Yeah. Mike, Very your cool. passions? Yeah, so my, my primary passion for the last seven years has been the Association for Business Technology Professionals. Um, it is a place where we have a business technology networking group where people that are either underemployed or unemployed can come, primarily IT executives and uh, managers, uh, but uh, we, we service students as well, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So uh, basically they can come and, and get services and be introduced to the plethora of other organizations that provide uh, interviewing skills and resume writing and things like that. So we are a, a kind of a, a place to come and connect to all those things. Um, and then once they've landed, we invite them to join the association, which is learning, growing, and sharing. So it's similar to your thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we learn together uh, mm -hmm. through speakers and networking groups that we do. And then we share that openly with the community. Uh, like you, we've templatized ourselves and we give everything away free, right? Nice. Uh, people have to buy their meal. That's pretty much <laughs> all they have to do when they come. Mm -hmm. um, and then the sharing part is just a natural outgrowth of having learned and being shared with that we give out. And then that becomes a way of life that is a beautiful way to grow the community of, uh, of fellow technologists. Mm -hmm. uh, we changed the name from IT to BT, which is information technology, just business technology, so that we could include people from marketing and people from HR, because most of our jobs now are technology oriented, <laughs> right? Has um, and that has brought a breadth of experience and, uh, and perspective to the group that uh, is extraordinary as well. Um, can I throw out two more? <laughs> real quick. Okay, real quick. Uh, Feed the Hunger is one that's associated yeah. with what you do. Yeah. Um, when my kids were little, we would, we would uh, actually package bags uh, once or twice a year that would go out primarily to uh, the, the Dominican Republic and places like that. 
Uh, but we would eat a meal like they were going to eat, and then the kids would bag it. And there's nothing like getting your family involved in some of these kinds of activities, and I'm sure that you guys do with, uh, with yours awesome. as well. And, and I'll end it there. Thank you. And I also want to give a shout out to another technology association, the Alliance of Technology and Women. We want to share an event that they're having coming up on April 14th. So let's roll that clip right now. I'm Lisa Jordan and I would really like to invite you to join us for some DFW ATW events coming up. On April the 14th, we're going to have a panel discussion for our monthly speaker series and it's going to be right here in our new cyber group offices in Plano, Texas. The topic is creating a sustainable city with community and technology. Sustainability is a big topic right now in IT, especially as we begin to align with the goals that the UN has set forth for sustainable development. It's gonna be a great event. We're looking forward to seeing many of you here and welcoming you to our new space. The next event I wanna let you know about is on May 11th. Inatech is a big conference every year, annual, and DFW ATW has a women in technology track that we do every year. This year, we've got a great set of panelists lined up uh, for a variety of topics. We have a luncheon in the middle of the day and a keynote speaker. It's just gonna be a great event, May 11th, Irving Convention Center. And just after that, we're gonna have a happy hour and we would love to see you and network with you there. These events are all um, easily signed up for. You can go and register on the dfwatw.org website and you can choose either the monthly speaker and networking series, which is April 14th, or you can choose to attend the Inatech conference on May 11th or come to both. We'd love to meet you there. So that's the Alliance of Technology and Women. Be sure to join them for those events. Speaking of alliances and associations, associations are a great way to connect with your fellow peers and fellow industry leaders and just people that are interested in the same things that you're interested in. And um, one of the things that we've kind of all noticed, I think, and we mentioned it at the beginning, is that all too often we see people network and connect when they're in the midst of a job <laughs> loss, not when they're comfortably in a job at the time. And um, I want to kind of go around and then get everyone's perspective and advice about the importance of networking and establishing connections. I mean, from your perspective, you're pushing forward this movement, yeah. right? It's yep. all about connections and networking. Exactly. What's your advice around that? And people that don't do it more? Well, uh, connections are best made when you are in the driver's seat, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> so why would one want to subject themselves to be out of a job or, or out of whatever position that they are in and then struggling? Because you're no longer in the driver's seat. You no longer left yourself in a position to negotiate and, and get what you want to get. Uh, one thing, though, I would like to add, Fanny, is that I look at connection as two-dimensional. One is networking, another is collaboration. Because network is from at an individual level, uh, you know, definitely you need to be out and networking, but networking is not about just collecting business cards and attending conferences mm -hmm. and, and, and coming back uh, with all of that. Absolutely. Networking is because, you know, we have only so much time, right? So before you go down the path of networking, you need to figure out individually, what is it that you're trying to achieve? and who can add value to it, whether it's a mentor or a lead or a prospect. First understand that and then go to those watering holes where those people are, right? Unless, or else you're wasting time, yes. right? On collaboration side, connecting, you know, we need to know our own core competency. Don't fall in the trap that I can do everything. Hunger mm -hmm. Mitov, for example. Right? <clears throat> we depend a lot on the food bank. Because the food bank is the one that is actually making sure that the food gets to the needy in every zip code across this country. 
right? So what is what core competency do we bring? We bring the core competency of we know a certain community, we know how to appeal to them, we know how to raise their awareness, and then we know how to connect them to the food bank, right? Because if you look at the value chain, each one of us bring different competency, right? So collaboration to me is just as important in the term connection as the networking part of it. Mm, love that. You're basically taking something transactional and making it into something that has growth and legs exactly. and collaborative. Yeah. Awesome. Melissa, for you, right? Networking and connections. It's critical. It's critical. Similar to what Raj mentioned, for me, connecting is more of giving back to the community and helping, right? So my purpose is not, not just meeting people, understanding where they are, and what are the services that they offer? What are their needs? Can I help them? And it also serves as an opportunity when as a small boutique, consulting boutique, I don't wanna be able to, I don't wanna to have to call someone at that moment in time when I have the need. I wanna have that list, right? Readily available of people that I've had discussions, really know who they are, being their genuine self, their services, and be able to call on them. So for me, it's networking is all about um, helping others, giving back to the community, um, seeing how I can help them, but also learning where they are in their journey and services that, that they're offering or where they are in their needs. Absolutely. Yeah. And for those of you joining us live on YouTube right now, share with us your networking tips and your experiences with networking. We'd love to hear from you about that. Now, Mike, you spend a lot of time networking with Dallas, uh, North Texas, right? Or um, Success, Success North, North, Dallas. North Dallas, as well as Association of Business Technology Professionals. It takes time, right? It takes right? Time. And you're a busy man, you have a you know, <laughs> corporate job. What do you say to people that say that well, I don't have the time, I'm busy with work. So, I mean, I, I resonate with what, what you shared, Melissa, and that they, it's, it's about connecting with people at a uh, soul level, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, it's, this is not a transactional thing, that right. I'm not, the, the way I think about it, right? It's like, I collect minds, I collect beautiful minds, like yours <laughs> and, and others that, that I, uh, I resonate with their being right and i i find great joy in being able to introduce them to other people who need them mm -hmm. because it's uh but you More have collaborative to, opportunity yeah, yeah, exactly. right? yeah. so, so, I, so no, no, this is, it was a beautiful setup I, <laughs> I didn't know exactly where i was going to go with this but, uh, but but that's it that's the thing right it's like if you if you're really um passionate about getting to know people and loving them and caring for them then when things are not going well for them, you're gonna care for them, right? And you're gonna mm -hmm. help them out. And in that process, you build relationships that will, uh, will um, what is the, the saying? The test of time, I can't think of that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you know, when the times are down, when things are bad, they're gonna be there for you too, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, the example that I would give is that, you know, in the, in the last couple of years, business was very difficult. I mean, mm -hmm. it was hard because you couldn't get together with people. Yeah. You couldn't meet new people. Um, and literally all of the business that I was able to help people with over the last two years were from relationships that I'd started 10 years ago, yeah. mm -hmm. literally. Right, nobody was answering cold calls. Mm -hmm. Right, there was no, there was nobody, there was no desire to get to know somebody new when you're stuck at home and you're you're hurting and mm -hmm. you're not exactly sure where things are going. Uh, but old friends help old friends, right? So, um, and when you have a value service uh, offering, uh, then they're gonna they're gonna respond to that. So I, I think it's an in, inward thing. It's it's. It's loving and caring for others first, mm -hmm. giving first, giving it forward is the is the the term of art, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then whenever uh, it's necessary, it will come back. But it's not going to come back where you gave. Yeah. It's going to come back in some other way. Right. But I know it happens. Mm -hmm. I know and I trust and I believe that that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So for those that don't do networking now, you know. It's going to be harder on you if you don't look forward and build relationships that will steady the ship 
when the storms are there, right? Absolutely. So I, I think that's the answer. I'd love to get a quick networking tip from each of you to kind of round out things. Raj, when you go out there in your communities, what is something that someone out there in the audience can adopt that you've learned? Well, first of all, uh, there are two pieces of advice that I would give. Please. One is uh, connection, for it to be solid and sustaining, it has to be mutually beneficial. Mm. If you are trying to get something out of that equation, but you don't have anything to give back, right. I mean, it's a transaction. And, and trust me, second time around, they won't be there for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So it has to be, always think from that perspective. And I think, Mike, you brought that up. I think yeah. is, what can I do for that other person? Right. In fact, that's a great door opener or icebreaker, or, you know, rather than going and saying, hey, are you guys hiring? No, that's not connection, yeah. right? So you're already putting yourself in a weak wicket. A second thing, I, I say that, as I said earlier, you need to be purposeful on who you are trying to connect with. Mm -hmm. And once you decide that this is the organization, these are the individuals that I want to connect with, then don't quit. Mm. Don't quit. Mm -hmm. Even if they say no. In fact, my wife always kind of picks on me. She says, why can't you accept no? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I admire this organization and I'm going to work for them. And I'll give you an example, something that only my fam family knows so far, and uh, very few people. Uh, I always admired Ross Perot. Mm -hmm. I worked uh, when I used to work at GM, GM bought EDS, and I learned the culture. I looked up to him, and I knew that someday I'm going to go work for Perot System. Mm. So it so happened that uh, uh, a decade, uh, 15, some 16 years ago, I was interviewed uh, for a managerial position at uh, Perot Systems. I was golfing with my son on the second hole of the golf. I got a call from the HR team saying that, oh, we hired you. Mm. On the 18th hole, they said, oh, that was a mistake. Oh, gosh. <laughs> right, so the, the, all the 17 holes, I mean, you know, we are just having a good time. We say, okay, I'm going to start a new company. On the 18th hole, they said that was a mistake. That was an error, oversight. Well, most people would have quit saying, who wants to go work for that company? But I admired that organization. I admired Ross Perot. I admired Peter Altabuff, the leader running that organization. So I remained in touch with them. Three, four years later, I actually joined them as a vice president. Mm. Right? So never quit. If you believe in a certain connection where you feel you can add value, and that's some place you want to actually you know, uh, contribute to, Keep it, keep at it. Persistence wins. Yeah, I don't mean spam <laughs> them. Please don't take that wrong. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, quick tip from the audience on YouTube. Stacy says we are part of an interconnected web of folks, and it's important to strengthen weak ties and maintain strong ties. Ain't that the truth? That's I do want to round out this session with uh, one last quick break to share with you the Association of Business Technology cheer event that's coming up later on this month. So let's roll that. Hello, this is Toby Buckaloo. I'm the president of the Association of Business Technology Professionals, and I'm inviting you to our next Cheers Tech Connect Professional Networking Event Series. Our next event will be on Tuesday, April 26th at Divergence Academy in Addison, Texas on Midway Road, just south of Beltline from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Come join us for some food, some beverages, some short technology presentations and a chance to get back to networking with real people who have an interest in technology. Join us. I look forward to seeing you at our next Cheers Tech Connect professional event series from ABTP at Divergence Academy on Tuesday, April 26th at 6 p.m. We'll see you there. Be sure to join us for the ABTP Cheers Tech Connect event as well. Register at abtpdfw.org. We could have easily had another hour here yes, and dived we into just all these important topics a lot more. But uh, 
all we have is that one CG hour. And uh, but thank you. Shout out to Cyber Group for sponsoring and leading this conversation with thank us. And um, I wanted to kind of close out and share with everyone. Please join us next month. It's going to be on Wednesday, May 18th, and we're going to dive into the topics of creativity and technology. So again, very important skills, especially creativity in today's workplace. So be sure to jot that date down Wednesday, May 18th, again at noontime central. Be sure to join us for that. And thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Melissa. Thank, thank you, you Mike. Thank very you, Raj. You. Thank you so much for all your time and your insights when it comes to culture, connections, and community. And all of you out there, just want to round it out and say, people first, yep. driven to transform. All right. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. Thank you. It's a wrap. Thank you, Fanny.